Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This week, the Bookshelf Cinema is screening the young and prodigious TV spivet Sweet Francaise, She's Beautiful When She's Angry, Testament of Youth, Tribe, and more. And at the E-Bar, Shotgun Jimmy, Adrian Teacher, and the Subs, Shopkeeper, and Human Music play a show together on Wednesday, July 22nd. And That's My Drag, The Show Must Go On, is staged at the E-Bar on Saturday, July 25th. The Bookshelf is an independently owned cultural hub located at 41 Quebec Street in Guelph. For more information about their hours, listings, blogs, and accessibility, please visit bookshelf.ca. Creative Control with Beach Comic. This is the 200th episode of this show. Can you believe it? We made it 200 episodes. I have so many people to thank for making this possible, but I can't get to all of you by name. I just want to thank my wife, Michelle, and my children uh, for letting me do this in the house. By letting me, I mean, you know, making themselves scarce, sleeping, whatever it is they needed to do to give me a little quiet so I can do this. Thank you to my family for letting me do this. Thank you, of course... I don't want to forget you guys. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this show. Some of you, 200 episodes. That's a lot of listening. Thank you. And thanks to all the guests who've been on the show. Thanks to all the people who've said uh, nice things. Thanks to all the people who've said terrible things. Thanks for engaging with the show. I appreciate it. It's fun to do. I hope we can continue doing it. And I don't know that this is necessarily going to happen, but I'm going to celebrate this 200th episode by doing five straight episodes this week. That's the plan. An episode every day. I think it's going to happen. Maybe there'll be four. I think there's four. There's at least four. There might be five. And that'll be fun for you, hopefully. It's going to be a lot of work for me, I'll tell you that. Anyway, that's the plan. And before I tell you who's on this special 200th episode, I want to highlight the fact that uh, this patreon.com slash creative control campaign that we've uh, been promoting heavily over the last few weeks is... Is doing quite well. I'd like to thank everyone who has pledged, pledged a monthly amount uh, to get us to $249 thus far. Where our aim is to get to $500 uh, a month in pledges by the end of August, and then the show continues. And if not, the show stops, and we're we're close. We're we're a dollar away from halfway, and we're not even into August. So I'm feeling good that we're going to get there, and let's let's hope that happens. And 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 last week I mentioned, or last episode, I suppose that uh, we've uh, added some uh, incentive uh, a t-shirt we've had two we, we, we had a t-shirt designed and I was going to offer it to anyone who pledged ten dollars or more on the Patreon thing and now we have a second design in play the first design was like a profile of my head with a lot of stuff in it and the second design the new design is a pizza themed shirt as you know if you listen to the show regularly I have a pizza sponsorship and you've heard these pizza ads a lot 
thank you for listening to them or, you know, going to Trocadero, Trocadero in Guelph. I pronounce it both ways now. Thank you for doing that. Thanks to Phil at Trocadero. I thank my wife. I might as well thank the guy who gives me free pizza. So thanks to Phil. There's a pizza shirt. If you'd like, you can order the pizza shirt or you can order the uh, shirt with my head on it. Whatever you like. And if you, all you got to do to order it really is pledge $10 a month at the Patreon.com thing and that's what you get. You get a shirt and you get the show. Not bad. You get a shirt and a show. So I hope you'll consider doing that. Now, this episode is a nice one. Myself and esteemed producer and musician Daniel Lanois have a conversation about his new album, Flesh and Machine. We talk a little bit about Brian Eno and Bob Dylan, two men he's intersected with professionally, and I'm fascinated by them, so we get into them a little bit, and his uh, new record, and, and a whole bunch of other stuff. So I think it's a good conversation, nice way to celebrate 200 episodes. Thanks to Daniel Anwar for being on this episode, and, and you're going to hear some new music from his album, Flesh and Machine. And that's all I have to say for now. Again, I can't thank you enough. Uh, whether you've heard one episode or 200 episodes, thank you for engaging with Creative Control with Vishkana. It means a lot to me. I hope I get to keep doing this for a, a long time, and uh, that's all I have to say. Myself, Daniel Anwal, let's do this. The 32nd Annual Hillside Festival takes place July 24th, 25th, and 26th at Guelph Lake, Rain or Shine, featuring performances by Astral Swans, Bad Bad Not Good, Badminton Racket, Baskery, Battle of Santiago, Braids, The Brothers Landreth, Bulgarian Voices Trio, By Divine Right, Tim Chasen, Nels Klein Singers, Constantines, Nick Crane, Alex Cuba, Daka Braca, Del Bell, Doldrums, Echo Deck, Darren Edens, Eloquent, Etiquette, Everlove and Jug Band, Nick Ferrio, Jeremy Fisher, Crazy Four, David Francie, Michael Franti and Spearhead, Galacticats, The Good Lovelies, Great Lake Swimmers, Ash Grunwald, Alana Gurr and the Greatest Day. Hungai, The Henry, Suzanne Jarvie, Mo Kenny, The Cramdens, Daniel Lanois, Last X, Lee Reed, Lids, Look Vibrant, Le Luc, Minotaurs, Moonface, The Once, Nancy Pants, Doug Paisley, Fred Penner, Perch Creek, Poor Man's Whiskey, Natalie Prass, The Spring Standard, Jamie Stone's Lomax Project, Sultans of String, Tommy Crest, Team, Thus Owl, Tribekistan, Riley Walker, The Weather Station, Jason Wilson and Pee Wee Ellis, and more to be announced. For more information about Purchasing tickets to this accessible event, please visit hillsidefestival.ca. musician, songwriter, and producer who splits his time living between Ontario and California. A multi-Grammy winning producer who has had a vital influence on key records by Bob Dylan, U2, Emmylou Harris, Peter Gabriel, and Neil Young, among others. Lanois is also a pioneer of ambient music and one of the finest songwriters in Canada. His latest album is 2014's Flesh and Machine, an adventurous record of processed instrumentation, which is available via Anti Records. He will be performing at the Hillside Festival on the weekend of July 24th, and here now to discuss this further is Daniel Lanwa. Hello, Daniel. How are you? I'm good, thanks, buddy. Thanks so much for calling. Oh, no, it's my pleasure, my pleasure. Now, where where are you, Dan? 
I'm in my uh, my natural uh, domain, my recording studio, and um, I have a few of them. So right now I'm in the uh, the one in Silver Lake, which is Los Angeles. Nice. Now, am I was I correct that you you do tend to split your time between Ontario and California? You left out Jamaica. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> what the hell? Um, what was I thinking? Yeah, the uh, I have a nice place in Jamaica. I've, I've had a place there for a lot of years. So that's. Um, that's my triangle, but I'm in Europe a lot, so I'm still living out of a bag. <laughs> <laughs> is it is it uh, conducive to recording to be in Jamaica? I know some bands go there and do that. It, it must be nice. Oh, it's a lovely culture and a great music culture. Um, and um, I just find that it's a very inspiring place. Uh, the pace and, and the uh, the people down there are just terrific, so it's... It, uh, it constantly feeds me. Nice. Uh, you know, I, I may not specifically be recording down there, but I think the uh, the life experience down there certainly adds to the, the recording, ultimately. <laughs> nice, nice. Now, I want to ask about Flesh and Machine, which my understanding is that this harkens back to records you made with uh, Brian Eno quite some time ago. Can you talk about what it was about those works that prompted you to sort of kind of revisit them in some way? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I have a, a fond memories of working uh, with Brian Eno in, in Canada. We made a lot of AMP records uh, in Hamilton, and um, it's in fact those ambient works that uh, led me to do uh, international production work. So the uh, so even though I was producing pop records in Canada, those are not the ones that got noticed internationally or the ambient records. Mm -hmm. And so I've always uh, I've always uh, appreciated the values that Eno was operating by. It was his vision and I was really happy to be um, supporting him with all my skills and talent. Um, but I, it's what's interesting about it is that they were very obscure records. Nobody paid any attention to them at the time, but they were certainly uh, they became the um, you know the, the spawn. They're viewed it to be the spawning ground of a lot of contemporary ambient music. So there it is. It happened. It all started in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> I want to return to this notion of ambient music in a in a moment, but uh, in terms of Flesh and Machine, I think it's worth maybe going into how you actually made this record because I think that story is interesting. Can you discuss that a little bit for people listening? What What is it? How did you go about making this record? Uh, it's, it's very much a studio concoction. Um, but like always, uh, I start with um, a heartfelt, soulful performance uh, as a foundation. And once I've got that, if I feel that I've captured some magic in that at that part of it, <laughs> then it allows me to carry on and and add to it. So the, um, but quite specifically the the process that I use on Flesh and Machine has a lot to do with uh, um, extracting um, from the ingredients that I have. Let's say piano or steel guitar or even voices, and I I I sample those ingredients process them and then putting put them back into the the blend so it's kind of a laborious process of of uh, of sampling and and um, really it's just a very exotic um, long form of manipulation <laughs> not to be re not to be recommended for anyone <laughs> well I'm curious about um, I'm curious about your impulse so why does manipulating you know what what I'll call organic sounds and repurposing them why does that appeal to you so much this idea of taking as you say drums pianos like things we would be familiar with in terms of you know rock instrumentation you know conventional instrumentation why does that impulse uh, strike you to to take those sounds and and sort of rejig them, so to speak. Well, I'm constantly on the um, on the hunt for uh, new sounds. So innovation is a very big part of what I do. I don't want straight straight up out of the box sounds that a synthesizer has to offer, and I'm not really that interested in straight up um, acoustic performances. I appreciate them, but ultimately, I want to break new ground sonically. And so that's it's, it has always been my quest, and is still that today. Um, 
you can think of me as the Gustav Klimt of music. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, yes, there will be a, a familiar-looking figure, you know, like a, um, perhaps a woman's face with a long, uh, she's wearing a long gown, and you could just do a photograph of a woman wearing a long gown, and that would take care of that. But I, I'm, I have the patience to do all the gilding and, and the placing of the gems and so that, you know, a, a familiar form has a more exotic presentation. Right. For the layperson, how do you go, like once you've captured what, again, I'm going to refer to as organic sounds, how do you go about processing them and manipulating them? And I assume there's a whole thing there with technology that maybe some people wouldn't understand. Can you talk about that? Yes, I, I have uh, some samplers, so I can put in a sound, a short phrase, uh, let's say a, a one-second phrase into this machine. And once I have that in my machine, I abandon the, uh, the original recordings, and I work on that machine separately. And I can elongate the sound. I can uh, uh, drop it an octave. Uh, I can tailor it a little bit. I can change the pitch of it. Um, I can change the tone of it. I can add bass or treble or subtract uh, some of the sounds by filtering. And you could think of it as um, applying, uh, how about this as an analogy that we've made a beautiful suit, now we want to make the pocket for the suit, and we don't want to just slap a, a piece of foreign material onto it, we want to use the existing material, but we want to magnify the material hmm. so that the pocket is seen to be related but it's not a foreign body, it's not yet another ingredient slapped on the suit. It belongs to the suit, and it's really just a magnification of it, an alteration of what the eye was already familiar with. So it has continuity uh, working in its favor. Okay. Now, who actually played on, this, on these recordings? It's mostly me. It's mostly uh, um, my own instrumentation, but I did get some help from Brian Blade, who is a, a drummer, a great drummer. Mm -hmm. Um and let's see who else is on there. I think Daryl Johnson appears as a guest, and a great singer by the name of Rocco DeLuca. Um, he, he sings on the opening track, which is uh, endearingly titled Rocco. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that uh, it's possible that Brian Blade is the greatest drummer going today? Uh, well, there are many great drummers, of course, and it's... It would be unfair to uh, isolate it down to one one person, but I, I I think he is one of the greats, and it's not it's not just about the drumming itself. You know the um, he's just a great spirit and has lived the kind of life that would be able to feed music in the right way. So he's uh, his motives are absolutely pure and. Uh, it's been a great uh, friendship, and you know, his father is a great singer. Uh, Brian's father is a singing pastor hmm. uh, in the in Shreveport, Louisiana. So we sit in with the we sit in with the church band a couple of times a year. So it's 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 a. Um, um, I'm sure by my description, you realize it's uh, he's a, a family member for me. Yeah, and, and I really appreciate that uh, that relationship exists. So all that all that lives outside of the, the specifics of the drumming. Um, so the the fact that he came up in church and uh, came up um, serving singers. So he really has a broad understanding of music. He's a great jazz drummer and a great drummer uh, for all kind of music. Actually, I, I some, feel like I first saw Brian play with you myself anyway in in 1993. Does the relationship extend that far back? Yes, we uh, a little bit earlier than that. I think we started in '91. Right, and and so I mean, you utilize him wherever you can. You've uh, you've brought him into uh, other productions that you've been involved in for other artists here and there. I believe. Yes, he played beautifully on Bob Dylan's "Time Out of Mind" record. Yeah, yeah, yes. and so he's someone you try to to uh, you know spread the word about. You you <laughs> you try to uh, bring him to the attention of other artists. Uh, well, it's, uh, of course, you know, it, um, usually there's a practical um, 
invitation of sorts. Um, I'm not his manager or his agent. <laughs> uh, I just uh, like to have him involved if it makes sense. Yeah, no, I hear you. I'm I'm a drummer myself, so I, I really marvel at, at someone like Brian. I, I don't. There's certain people where I'm I'm not sure I can figure out how they're doing the things they're doing, and I think he falls yeah. in, he falls into that category. Yes. Well, there you go. A talent. Eh? Yeah. Who knows where it comes from? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, now, some critics described Flesh and Machine when it came out as, as dark and, and menacing. Um, the title, to me, uh, I feel like it kind of captures our half-man, half-cell-phone cyborg culture uh, a little bit. But it also reminds me of, of the terrible motorcycle accident that you were involved in. Did that incident, incident influence uh, this record in any way? Well... <laughs> A near-death uh, accident is, uh, certainly affects people, as it did me. Was it? Um, it was that severe. I, I don't know the details, and I don't know how much you want to divulge. But it was a near-death experience. Hey, man, I broke ten bones, and uh, you break that many bones, uh, you might get blood clotting and uh, lung collapsing. There's all kind of, hmm. of issues, you know. So the, I'm lucky to be alive. Um, I, I know. I'm sure it's. Um, you've heard the cliche. You certainly start appreciating appreciating uh, everything about life, <laughs> um, and um, it just made me realize that I'm not invincible and take it easy a little bit. And you know, not that I was a high speed bike rider by any means. It was a 35 mile an hour accident, hmm. um, but that's all it takes. And um, um, make no assumptions about how people, how preoccupied people might be on the road, you know. <laughs> Have you been uh, riding a long time? Yep, I've been riding since I was 15. Oh, wow. And have you had any other accidents like that? No, no, that's the only one, and I hope it's the only one. <laughs> Are you continuing to ride? Yes, I'm I'm very enthusiastic about the bikes. I have a good few bikes, and we have a little motorcycle club uh, um, up there in Canada, funny enough. Uh, oh. Um, yeah, there's uh, only four of us in the club so far, but it's a good start. We're looking for we're, we're look, looking for some hot mamas to join the club. So if you oh, have any, <laughs> okay, I'll keep my ear ear to the ground for some hot mamas for sure. That sounds fine. Uh, what what does the album title connote for you then? This flesh and machine. It really just uh, addressed the um, the two uh, as I walk the tightrope of music on the on the left side. I have. Uh, of course, I have to have consideration for the sources of, of performance, and that would be the flesh part. Um, and then the machine part is the the other part of my life: uh, technology, uh, equipment, um, how to make recordings, how to get sounds, uh, how to get magic. Uh, so the um, I've never separated the two. And so I just thought it clarified that I, I would clarify that this these are the two worlds that uh, collide for me. Yeah, highlighting and the it, highlighting the dichotomy there. Yeah, so that's it. That's flesh and machine. Does the album uh, capture anything about your life uh, at the time? Do you do you feel like it's as I say when and I don't know if you agree with these um, perceptions that perhaps the record is quite dark and quite. As I say, someone used the word menacing. Do you do you agree with those uh, perspectives? Uh, well, the there's a track on there. Uh, um, is it called uh, Is it called the end? Yeah, I think it's called the end. Mm -hmm. um, um, it addresses the menaces of the planet, not the menacing that might be happening in my head. Um, historically speaking, we have had lots of artists who have been um, inspired by, if we could use the word inspired, inspired by or driven to expression by what goes on as a mirror of what goes, goes on around the planet. So, uh, you know, 800 people sink in the Mediterranean and all die because they're trying to leave Africa and get to Italy. That might be um, a, a source of, of of notice and inspiration, and someone might want to write a song about it. Hmm. Uh, if we are 
knocking down buildings and blowing up villages, and uh, we are constantly reminded of how little we have evolved as humanitarians, then somebody may want to uh, provide uh, that, uh, you know, say something about that in song or in sonics. So there are some sonics there that have a, a little bit of the rebel mind in them and that are, that are mirroring uh, the, the complexities and the troubles of our time. And I think the end is one of them. Uh, aquatic is yearning. It's, uh, it has that feeling that somebody is seeking. And, um, and the, the tonality of aquatic is such that it, it feels uh, underwater and it feels, I had this image in my head of, of swimming the St. Lawrence out to the Atlantic and, and, and. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. And the many characters that I bumped into along the way, but I didn't have time to, to stop to talk to them because I was swimming. So it's really, it's really about uh, um, what it feels like to be a seeker and to to uh, have music um, be the unfoldings of those emotions. So um, there have been many beautiful um, reviews of Flash and Machine, including my Pitchfork out of out of New York, one of the one of the sites. They hate everything and everyone, and they gave me an eight out of ten. So I feel pretty proud of that. <laughs> um, so. Uh, Dark and menacing. I don't know, man. You tell me. You listen to the record. I make the records I make, and uh, I'm a human being, and I live in these times. And uh, I could do zippity doo da, zippity a. My oh my, what a beautiful day! And that would be okay. I've done the beautiful day with you too, and we had a hit with it. Yeah. Right. Um, and uh, that's okay, man. Let it be a beautiful day, but let's not turn a blind eye to the fact that we have a lot of devastating uh, behavior in these times, and those moments or those events should also be mirrored in our art. So let's move on. You, uh, as I mentioned, I first saw you play live in 1993. That might have been the, one of the first times I encountered you as a, a solo musician. I was a big fan of you too, as a as a younger person in the '80s and '90s, and uh, so I, I was aware of your your work and your name, but um, I did think of you as a, a folk or rock musician um, when I first saw you play and first heard your solo records. And I'm curious about having just uh, explained where some of these instrumental pieces are coming from. Do you feel as satisfied conveying such things instrumentally as you do lyrically? Because it does seem like you took. Your paths, have, you're, you, you are on multiple paths, I think, simultaneously as a songwriter, as a musician. Um, do you feel equally satisfied kind of conveying something the way you just did to me via this interview about an instrumental piece as you would trying to car- compartmentalize uh, thoughts and perspectives via lyrics? Um, well, that's an interesting uh, conversation to have because um, some folks are of the opinion that um, the instrumental music is the universal language. Um, so I may not speak Spanish, but I might touch a Spanish heart with with uh, a piece of music that is absent of lyric. Um, 
I've worked on music where I didn't know what people were singing, and um, I, I remixed a song for Tenarawin, their African band, um, and they nobody understands what they're singing about, but they, or uh, as no one understands what Sigaras are singing about, mm -hmm. but they are moved by the music and uh, are are drawing emotion from from themselves from as provided by the music so it's it's you could get specific about uh keep on rocking in the free world is okay great everybody's rocking in the free world uh but um at the other other end of the spectrum somebody might do something very beautiful uh i did a um a non-lyric version of shenandoah with Emmy Lou Harris some years back mm -hmm. and she stacked up some harmonies and we did it with, without the words and it is absolutely beautiful and absolutely touching and absolutely communicating and it may very well communicate more strongly than if we had the version with a lyric mm -hmm. so use that as a point of reference um, but you know uh, I'm still interested in and lyrics, uh, of course, and um, um, there's a time and place for that. You know, there's you know, there's some, sometimes uh, you sing a, a beautiful song, simply written about a personal experience, and that may very well uh, communicate to a lot of people who have had, uh, you know, a similar experience, and so they uh, they can they can feel comfort. Uh, such a song might be an emotional phase cancellation device for their for their own uh, for their own troubles. You know, for example. <laughs> That's interestingly put, uh, Dan. I just want to interrupt our conversation to note that uh, I believe I know we started late. We're close to the end of the time that was allotted. Are you okay to keep going? Yeah, we can keep going for a little bit. I got to get back to work, but I'm fine, man. I'm enjoying the conversation looking forward to hillside by the way yeah yeah we're excited uh, to have you yeah 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 i mean i've never played hillside before and it's an experiment for me this year um i'm gonna do it solo i mean i've got my crew helping me out of course and yeah one of my one of my crew guys uh wayne lorenz a musician himself so i might talk him into playing a little bit of bass on something but i'm i've decided this year to uh feature my steel guitar which is what i'm the instrument I'm most excited about right now. So I'll have that with me, and then I'm going to bring some of my studio preparations. So there'll be a, a, some technology um, as well as it'll be Flash the Machine for sure. <laughs> yeah, like I've heard interesting things about how you're bringing the record to life on tour. I know you've, you've, you did a bunch of touring with uh, a band, I believe, and, and my understanding is that you were doing some live in the moment musical manipulation of what was going on around you. Is that something you're going to be able to to do solo as well? Yeah, man, I'm going to do that at Hillside. Um, you know, some some of the uh, some of the Jamaican artists uh, remix. Uh, you know, the likes of Lee Scratchberry, for example, will show up at a show and and have a little multi-track with them, and and then you can feature certain ingredients from the multi-track. So that's what I'll be doing. Um, but I've lo we've put a lot of preparation into these. You know, my my echoes are all pre-timed. So if I want to be spontaneous on, on the, at the hillside, um, I can send uh, source ingredients to these echoes and they'll all be in time with the, with the rhythm and so on. So it's, it's going to be... Uh, I'm really looking forward to it because I've not done many solo shows and uh, there's a kind of freedom to be had from, um, you know, just being up there by myself. I can just choose to take the music wherever I want to take it without worrying about my friends because, you know, <laughs> you got somebody on stage with you, you can't just sort of go off on your own. You know, you have to, have to be working... Uh, a collaborative manner but this is it this is my uh, so i think one of my few shows i've ever done um solo oh, wow. so we'll see what happens man it should be good and i'm just trying to figure out what ratio uh whether whether to do lyric songs or not but i'll probably stick in a couple in there <laughs> that'll be cool now the other intriguing aspect of your hillside appearance is you are scheduled to be in a workshop with the nels klein singers and a local hip-hop artist named eloquent 
have you had much time to contemplate what that could be? No, no, I put very little thought in it. Um, how's the hip hop artist? Is he from Guelph? Or? He is from Guelph. Yeah, his name is Eloquent. E L A Q U E N T, and he's uh, kind of a he makes kind of wonky rhythm uh, tracks. He's a he's generally a producer, but he performs live with a drum machine and uh, does a lot of stuff in the moment. Oh, great! Well, that's good to know. I wasn't sure uh, um, about him, and maybe. Uh, this might be nice, you know, he can come up with some beats and I'll have my steel guitar with me. It'd be, be totally cool to do some uh, some improvs at the, at the workshop, you know? Yeah, no, I think it's going to be really cool. And you, have you communicated or will you be communicating with Nels Klein at all? Before? Uh, I, I haven't yet, but uh, I should, you know, just so, because he'll be playing a harmonic instrument, so we'll have to have an understanding of what the chords are. <laughs> <laughs> are you familiar? Are you familiar with his work? A little bit, yeah. I hear he's a great guitar player. Yeah, he's uh, he's phenomenal. Now, um, I want to ask you about ambi ambient music. You are credited with enhancing a genre of music, and I'm not sure if that's appealing to you or more of a burden. What does the term ambient music actually mean to you? Well, it's a term that Brian Eno invented. We'll get that straight, first of all. Okay. And uh, I'm very proud of those records that we made in Canada. Um, they've lived on, and that's... That's probably the greatest compliment, ultimately, is for works to live on. And if they inspire other people to the point of having, you know, a, a whole um, a continuation of a genre, then how amazing is that? Um, and so the, um, I mean, to have, we never thought much about it at the time, you know, in terms of, of a scene or anything, but that's the way scenes are. They they happen, and then people notice them, and then they realize there was a scene. So, <laughs> um, but uh, it was it was a very inventive time for me with Brian Eno in Canada, and and I'm I'm happy that that people use the term ambient music. That's that's really a, it's a great compliment to, for to Brian and his innovative mind. Yeah. I mean, you are known for those records with Brian. You're known for working with him as a producer, particularly on U2 records and, and other projects. Uh, how often do you communicate with Brian Eno? I just communicated with Brian Eno this morning. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what do you and Brian Eno talk about when you communicate? Well, in this case, uh, it was an invitation for us to do a, a live show in, in Brooklyn at the Brooklyn Academy of Music in uh, November coming. Oh, nice. From... Uh, a reliable promoter. I did a show with him, uh, uh, a Tanarawin show in Brooklyn. Uh, we have did a, a double bill, and that worked out very well. And that promoter said, "Would you like to do something else?" So the idea of Brian Eno came up, but Brian said he doesn't want to play live right now, and he laid out all the reasons, and that's why I, I sent him a, a funny text back. I said. Um, we booked we booked the opening slot for the Black Sabbath tour. Now what am I going to tell those guys? <laughs> that would be quite a bill. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's all fine. You know, Brian doesn't play live. He does wonderful installations, museum installations with um, sound and and uh, and um, he does these beautiful light sculptures. So um, so let him do that and we might do something in the future it was just a little bit of humor you know yeah yeah no it's good that you'd reach out to him um, in a couple of cases in the past Bob Dylan has discussed your work together and in terms of your production evoked this notion of a swamp and I'm curious is his swamp metaphor an accurate depiction of the ambience or thickness that you conjure what do you make of the swamp I think the swamp was probably had more to do with New Orleans than ambience <laughs> because uh, um, I think Bob was referring to a record we made together called Oh Mercy, which we did in New Orleans, and it was a very swampy record. <laughs> right. Because uh, uh, you can't get away from the moisture there, and uh, and so the, the 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 record we made started to take on the personality of New Orleans, and and then Bob said, no, we should only work at night because I like this nighttime feeling that we're getting, so it evolved into this... Uh, it's quite a beautiful uh, textural and, and and deep and dark record. I say it's quite dark uh, in a good way, you know. Yeah, I, uh, I I don't. You and I once spoke about about Bob Dylan's work, and I think we spoke about U2's work when I used to work uh, at CBC. And um, for what it's worth, I I'm a 
gigantic Bob Dylan fan. I talk about him sometimes on the show and, and the fact that I've seen him live, you know, so many times, 50 times or something like that. And I will tell you that of late, permanent, I, I'm just like completely obsessed with Time Out of Mind. Well, that's quite a compliment, my friend. Uh, I think it's my favorite record. I've decided it's the best one. Yeah, man. Well, it's, <laughs> it, happened, it happened pretty easy. and uh, I mean, records are never easy to make, but uh, the we put a nice group of folks together. Um, you know, uh, Brian Blade, as we talked about earlier, um, played drums on that record, uh, along with Jim Keltner. Um, yeah. So it was a... a two drummers and there was a very big band in the room and uh, whatever depth of field one hears from that record is largely natural um some people close to the mics and some people further back <laughs> yeah no it's incredible i've been singing uh, the a couple of songs standing in the doorway and uh and uh, make you feel my love have become lullabies to my three-year-old and seven-month-old uh, children Okay, <laughs> and they just they immediately uh, the melodies like they know them immediately. Like my seven month, my three year old knows the words to standing in the doorway completely. Uh, he's uh, he's he's he loves the song, and then my 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 daughter, it totally if she's crying, I can sing that song, and it stops her. I I, oh. I, I want Bob Dylan to know this that his songs have a calming <laughs> impact on my life and my children. Yes, well, <laughs> gee, uh, um. That's another kind of phase cancellation altogether. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Now, earlier this year, you were on. You went on the record saying that uh, Bob Dylan's um, recent album uh, about with the Frank Sinatra record. Uh, you you suggested there there might be a sequel, and I don't remember uh, what uh, more you said about that. Uh, what was your source on that? You you think there's a second record coming? Uh, well. It- Bob came over to my place and uh, he asked if I would listen to some music with him. I said, sure. And we listened to 21 songs. Um, and so um, that's what I think we talked about it at the time. And he would That was enough material for two albums. So that's where that came from. Okay, wow. And, and uh, what did you make of Shadows in the Night? Because it has not left my phone uh, since it's come out. I think it's a remarkable record. I, I feel the same way, man. I think uh, Dylan did a great job of, of uh, addressing these classics. Um, and he told me that he wanted to do this because they were songs that really uh, inspired him and shook him as, as a young as a young, young man. Yeah. And he wanted to go back to the source of inspirations. Um, he talked about his hometown, how that, you know, there was not a lot of action and you never really got to see what people look like. You, you might have an album of theirs, or you hear them on radio. So there was a lot of mystery at that time because, of the, by comparison to modern standards, the communication systems were were um, limited, and so um, people had to use their imaginations about what existed out there. So, and Bob talked about those songs as being a big part of the building of his imagination as a young man. Well, I really marvel at it. And I mean, I don't know if you have any insight on this, but if you sort of A, B, his voice on Tempest, which is quite gritty with this album, it's really remarkable how clear and clean he is able, his ability to manipulate his own voice is really remarkable to me. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. Uh, and I've appreciated that about him, you know, the listen to Nashville Skyline, it's a very different singer there. Uh, but Bob has a great voice, um, great voice to record. He's got a, what we call, he has a, we in the record making world, he has a big print, hmm. which means uh, there's something about the, uh, the low mids and the mid range of his voice that puts out um, certainly a good 25, 30 more dB than my voice. And so the, and, and so the microphone loves that. And, and so however he, he decides to express himself in terms of tone, that's, that's another conversation. But uh, fundamentally, as a, as a singer, I think he's one of the greats. Mm-hmm. And a great with phrasing, great with phrasing. Absolutely, yeah. I think he's the best at phrasing and the best singer. I, I I argue this with people, and of course, the stereotypes about his voice never seem to go away. Uh, and I don't know, you know, that's just the thing we have to deal with as Bob Dylan fans. 
Yeah, man. Yeah. Well, that's okay, you know. Uh, uh, but um, he is a great piano player, and and it really has the gift of time. So, um, I think he's a, he's a great all rounder, man. And yeah. Hard work. Nice. Now, uh, I want to ask you, what's next for you? I appreciate you feeling these questions about Bob Dylan, even though they, they have very little to do with you and your work at the moment. Uh, but what, what's what's coming up next for you beyond the uh, the hillside appearance? Uh, uh, what are you, what are your plans? I'm working on some steel guitar recordings here that I'm very excited about. And they are a continuation of Flesh and Machine in the sense that manipulations are allowed. But the 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 groundwork is is, is laid in a very soulful and performance-based manner. Um, and I'm lucky to be working with a, my friend who I mentioned earlier, Rocco DeLuca, is a, is a slide player, steel player himself. So we have two steel guitars on this on this record. Um, so it's quite a body of work. It's still unfolding, and so I'm not exactly sure of its ultimate home. I've got two steel guitar records on the go right now, and I think it's some might be some of my best work. Oh wow! Well, that's remarkable. I'm I'm happy to hear that. And uh, I want to let people know once again, Daniel Anwa's latest album is 2014's Flesh and Machine, which is available via Anti Records, and he will be performing solo at the Hillside Festival on the weekend of July 24th, uh, both for a primary set and this once-in-a-lifetime exciting workshop with the Nels Klein singers and Eloquent. For more information, uh, people can visit hillsidefestival.ca and also daniellanois.com. Dan, is there a song from Flesh and Machine that we can go out on for people to hear? Uh, Yes. Would you queue up Iceland? Absolutely. I I can do that. Is there any particular reason that came to mind? Um... I like that one. It's, it's just a beautiful uh, sentiment. Um, it was written on piano, so it's the opposite of everything we just talked about. You know, manipulations. Although the, you know there are sonic manipulations within, it was written on piano and uh, performed on the piano. And Brian Blade uh, was at my side playing the drums. So it's, it's just drums and piano initially, and then as you play it, people can. Uh, listen beyond that to all the other sounds that are uh, I have some dulcimers on there and uh, some voices that are manipulated so it's it's probably it's a nice example of the flesh and machine idea because it's played by humans and then manipulated by machines (laughs) (laughs) all right that's a a very well put this is Iceland by Daniel Lanois Daniel uh, obviously a tremendous pleasure to get to speak with you again and uh, I wish you the best of luck with everything and we'll see you in Guelph Okay, thank you so much. Thank you. 
Hey, thanks again for checking out Creative Control with Vish Khanna. You can email me about the show at creativecontrol933 at gmail.com. That's creative with a K, control with a K, 933 at gmail.com. You can also follow our Twitter at Vish Creative, V-I-S-H-K-R-E-A-T-I-V-E. And you can also like our Facebook page. A version of this show airs on CFRU in Guelph every Wednesday at noon Eastern. And you can listen to that online at CFRU.ca or if you're in the KW region at 93.3 FM in Guelph. You can also sign up for the weekly mailing list for the podcast and the, and the show at vishkana.com and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. I believe that is everything I wanted to tell you. Thank you once again. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.